It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law, featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to mockbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or call 312-726-1243. As Christians, we know there is hope after death, but does death still scare you? Or maybe you're facing a terminal illness and unsure how to spend the rest of your life. Today, we will confront these questions with our guest, Dr. Bruce Baker a pastor and the author of For Thou Art With Me, Biblical Help for the Terminally Ill and for Those Who Love Them. As someone who is facing a terminal illness himself, he has firsthand wisdom to share on this topic. By using his own experience, as well as biblical truth, Dr. Baker explores the universal questions of why me, why now, and why this. Bruce, welcome to our show. Thank you, Terry. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Bruce, you discuss your reasons for writing this book in your first chapter, but perhaps you could go over them again for our listeners. Sure. Uh, in August of 2017, uh, I was diagnosed with ALS. Now, I first started having symptoms in August of 2014, but like so many people with ALS, there were a number of different diagnoses that were tried on first. But uh, so I, the, the disease was progressing prior to August 2017. But in August 2017, the doctor said, look, we just need to face facts. This looks like what it is. And I asked about my prognosis. And he said, well, we're pretty sure you'll live six months. You could live a year, 18 months at the outside. Now, I have lived longer than that. They no longer guess at my longevity. But the fact is that sometime in the undetermined future, the uh, muscles that control my lungs will stop working and I'm going to die. I'm not going to die of old age. Uh, unless Jesus comes first, this disease is going to kill me. Now, um, people ask me what I do these days. I tell them I go to the doctor because I am forever seeing a medical professional of some type or another, either in my home or at the hospital or whatever. And uh, the consensus seems to be that somehow I'm different. When I went to the VA recently, uh, one of the nurses said, you wouldn't believe the people who come in here. Uh, so many of them are absolutely terrified, and yet you're not. I've had people ask my wife normally why that is. A couple of times they've asked me. One person asked my sister. But the consensus is that I'm different because I'm not afraid. In fact, I'm cheerful. I love to tell jokes. And that sets me apart. And the reason I wrote this book is because there's really nothing different about me. I'm just a regular guy with a terminal disease. What makes me different is who I know and what he's promised. And I want to share this with other people so that when the doctor says the tests have come back and they're not good, that they will be different too. And Bruce, why is it, do you think, that people do universally fear death? Well, that's a, a great question. If you look at all the religions of the world, all religions have four things in common. It doesn't matter if they're 
polytheistic, monotheistic, spiritistic, animistic, it just doesn't matter. Pick one. They all have these four things in common. First, all religions assume that there is a higher power or powers, higher than man, upon which man is dependent, and those power or powers can influence his destiny. We're born into this relationship. We can't change it. Second, because we have this relationship to this higher power, people have certain obligations that have to be met. Other actions have to be avoided, or there will be suffering as a result. Third, and this is the one I find the most interesting, between the individual and this higher power of power, something is wrong. If we want to put it another way, all religions appeal in one way or another to man's sense of sin. And finally, that all religions assume that there's a state of being after death. Now, what that state of being is vary from religion to religion, but they all say that this is not the end, that there are consequences for doing right or wrong in this present life that follows a person after he dies. Now, because all, all religions have this in common, this is something that is a, a universal belief deep down inside of everyone. They might not be able to articulate it that concisely, but all people believe this. And because they know between themselves and God something is wrong, and that when they die, that's not the end, people are afraid of what they don't know. They're afraid that, uh, um, of, uh, Shakespeare called it the undiscovered country. And it's a, a legitimate fear, because what happens after you die, according to the Bible, is not the same for everyone. That's why, that's why people are afraid of death. They don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. You've given us a lot to think about. Uh, you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm of Mock & Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit mockbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Today, we have been speaking with author and pastor, Dr. Bruce Baker, about death from a Christian perspective. Uh, now, before the mid-segment break, Dr. Baker, um, you were discussing uh, the universal fear of death. Uh, knowing that, that each of us um, has this ingrained fear of death, how would you recommend we, we rid ourselves of that fear? Well, that's a great question. The way we get rid of the fear is to make sure that between ourselves and God, that something that is wrong, the Bible calls that sin, is taken away. In other words, we need to make sure that we're right with God. And the Bible is quite clear, the only way to be right with God is to trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross in his resurrection from the dead to take away our sin. We have this sin, it needs to be dealt with, and the only way it can be taken away is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When we trust in Him, then we have become a new creation. The sin has taken away, the law that condemned us has been nailed to His cross, the handwriting of ordinances has been blotted out, there's so many ways to say it in the New Testament, but the way we get rid of the fear of death is to make sure that between ourselves and God, we're in a right relationship. And that's only done through Jesus Christ. That's why I spend um, a great deal of time, and I believe it's chapter 3, talking about how one gets right with God, recognizing what sin is, uh, recognizing that the wages of sin is death, and only a 
that death will take take it away, and that death is Jesus Christ. So that's the way we get rid of our fear of death. That sounds a lot like the gospel message, Bruce. Um, in some ways, <laughs> well, does, does this book feel like um, another sermon that you're delivering? Um, well, hopefully it's a little more informal than that. Mm-hmm. But if you mean by a sermon, just proclaiming biblical truth, then yeah, it really is. Because I start off the book by talking about why I'm writing it, mm-hmm. why people are afraid of death, and then what you do to get rid of it. And until you get through chapter three and you recognize that I am prepared to die because of my faith in Jesus Christ, the rest of the book doesn't have any application to you at all. It's only when you get that issue settled first that you can have the biblical comfort that follows. Uh, returning to your uh, specific situation, you state in your book that you view your terminal illness as a gift. Um, that's certainly a unique point of view. Could you explain what you mean by that? Sure. Um, the last I checked, the death rate is still one-to-one. Everybody dies. And if you ask people, they'll tell you, I know that everybody dies. The problem is we don't like to think about that. We have an entire industry dedicated to the idea of hiding death. Here in North America, we find death almost an embarrassment. It used to be when people died, they'd lay them out in the parlor, and there'd be visitation in the home, and they would take them to the cemetery, and it was all very personal, very family-oriented. Now, they come get the body, you don't see it again until you're ready for the funeral. It's hidden as much as possible. Well, because of that, the things that we should be doing to get ready for death, we don't do. We, we know we're not going to live forever, but we act like we're going to live forever. But when somebody tells you, you're going to die in six months, you're going to die in a year, that forces us to look at a truth that's been there all along, but it forces us to take action on it. All too often, you know, a drunk driver crosses the yellow line and there's a fatal crash or the factory worker grabs his chest and he slumps dead on the factory floor or a mother is on the wrong side of a robbery and a trigger is pulled and, and there's a death. And the, with the, the thing that all of those have in common and dozens more just like them is that there was no time to get ready. There was no time to say goodbye. There was no time to forgive. There was no time to be forgiven. More importantly, there was no time to ensure that the individual was right with God. When you are given a terminal illness, God is saying, I'm giving you time to do those things that need to be done. You're going to die anyway, but I'm telling you, in particular, when it's going to be. And that is a gift. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that, that's certainly a, a unique and powerful perspective. Uh, thank you for sharing. Coming up, we will talk further with Dr. Bruce Baker about what he's learned from having a terminal illness. I'm Terry Liu, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
In the wide, confusing world of law and lawyers, it's tough to find someone you can trust that shares your Christian values for legal advice and representation. You can trust Mauk & Baker, a Christian law firm based in Chicago that serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal matters. They seek to represent clients like you with integrity and care by using biblical principles as the foundation of their work. Additionally, their monthly newsletter highlights what's current in the religious liberty arena, keeping you informed on your right to worship or the that's on the street, in public school, or within the walls of your church. Subscribe to their newsletter at maukbaker.com slash newsletter. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com slash newsletter. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243. Call and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. That's 312-726-1243. 43. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu, an attorney at Mock and Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to mockbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we have been speaking with Dr. Bruce Baker, author of For Thou Art With Me, Biblical Help for the Terminally Ill and for Those Who Love Them, about death from a Christian perspective. Uh, now, Bruce, uh, before the break, uh, we were talking about the universal fear of death um, and, and what can be done to, to rid ourselves of this fear of death. Um, one of the most common questions people ask when receiving a terminal illness diagnosis is, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening now? Why is my suffering taking this form? Uh, does the Bible have answers for those types of questions? Absolutely. Uh, now, understand that when we answer questions like that, um, I am not able to say this is why God has worked in this particular way in your life. I, I can't say that, but I can say these are the reasons that God has given for why he works, generally speaking. Sometimes God gives a terminal illness, for example, to call people to himself. There's people in the New Testament came to Christ, never would have come to Christ if they hadn't had a loved one die, or they weren't sick themselves. Sometimes this is what brings them to Christ. That's why I share the gospel. Other times, um, it's uh, the suffering, let's just be honest, is due to natural causes. Um, you know, if you've smoked a pack a day for the last 40 years, you shouldn't be surprised if you have COPD now. You know, God says, uh, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. But there are natural consequences sometimes. Sometimes we suffer because God wants to create in us a, a greater Christian character. The ideas of a gardener who prunes the plants in order to make them more fruitful. Every gardener I know uh, is always loving the plants. He might... might uh, uh, nipple off various pieces of them, but that's only to make them grow more fruitful in other areas. There's a number of reasons why that is. Sometimes, and I believe at least in part, that this is why I'm terminally ill. It's so we can share the comfort that we have with other people. This is the comfort I have. I want to share it with other people through this book. Um, so there's a number of reasons why. As for why now, I can't answer that question. I can say, though, that uh, God um, 
God uh, always, his timing is always perfect. The, um, uh, we have a man, uh, a king, Hezekiah, in the Old Testament. God says, you're going to die in three months, get your affairs in order. And he prays and he says, oh God, I'm not ready to die. And God gives him another 15 years. But because of those 15 years, we know what happens. He gives birth to the worst king that Judah ever had. And uh, he entertains the envoys from Babylon, and that's the reason they invade. Now, we don't know what would have happened if he died, but we do know what happened if he lived. So we don't always know what evil is being avoided by our death or what, what good will come about from our death. So there are reasons for that that you can find in my book. Uh, Bruce, living with a terminal illness, it seems, is potentially a time when you're waiting to die. Is there anything good that can be done during this time of trial? Or is it just one long evil that needs to be endured? Oh, no, absolutely. In fact, I had just talked to a member of my congregation two days ago in the hospital uh, with cancer. Um, they had uh, um, a cancer uh, operation. He's up walking down the hall, you know, to, you know, as part of the recuperation process. He sees somebody sitting in another room crying. He tells me, I'd like to talk to that person. He goes in, he talks to him, he shares the gospel, says, I, I have cancer too. Let me tell you about the Jesus that I know. And he had a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with somebody he never would have met otherwise. So we have the opportunity to show that even in the worst cases of this world, the, the, the person with Jesus Christ is better off than the best times that the unbeliever has. This world is as bad as it ever gets for a believer. It never gets any worse in here. But if you're an unbeliever, it never gets any better than this. This is as good as it ever gets. And the gulf between those two statements is vast. And we can show that when we're ill. Wow, that's a really sobering thought. Um, how much of the book uh, consists of reflections that came to you since your diagnosis, and how many of these have been reflections that you've sort of gathered over the years as, as a pastor and as a seminary professor? Well, most of these things I knew to be true. Although I didn't congeal them into a solid form until um, after my diagnosis um, you know, we can know things and then they take on a different reality. Uh, when, when you're, when you're diagnosed with a terminal illness, that's when you find out what you really believe. So I really believe what I've been teaching all these many years. And the answer in my case is uh, an absolute yes, but you don't really know what you believe until you're faced with a terminal illness. So most of these things I knew beforehand. Um, a few things, you know, I've put together since then, but most of it I knew of beforehand, but it's taken on a reality that it didn't have before. Hmm. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Terry Liu of the law firm Mock and Baker, and we're talking to Dr. Bruce Baker, a pastor diagnosed with a terminal illness about preparing for death as a Christian. Dr. Baker, you mentioned that... Uh, after a terminal illness diagnosis, um, that there's sort of this unique time where one can prepare that one might not otherwise have. Uh, what have you personally done to prepare during this time? Well, the first thing that a person needs to do to prepare is to make sure they're right with God. I just cannot stress that enough. Mm. 
But once that's taken care of, um, then there are relational issues that you need to take care of. It's forced me to go back and look at my life and say, who do I need to forgive that I haven't? Or who do I need to seek forgiveness from that I haven't? To get those things right, I should have done that all along. But it's caused me to go and look at those things again and say, where do I need to straighten these things out? But then there's also physical realities. You know, the, the, I, I don't ever get morose about, uh, about my illness. Sometimes, you know, I get a little frustrated that I can't do something, but I don't ever get more. But if, if I'm going to miss up, it's going to be when I think about my wife being a widow. So I have talked to her and we've been taking positive steps. These windows are drafty. You need to have them replaced. And, you know, I don't think this hot water heater is going to make it in another five years. Let's replace that now. Those kind of things. Things I could have taken care of if I'd been alive. But looking at my approaching death, I'm going, let's take care of all these things now so that you don't have to after I die. So there's those kind of practical things that come to mind as well to make sure that I've taken care of all the benefits that uh, the VA offers, for instance. This is, uh, uh, as I mentioned, you know, when we were offline together, you're 60% more likely to get ALS if you're a veteran than if you're not. So the Veterans Administration offers all kinds of benefits that I've looked into and have taken advantage of. There's also other things. You need to make sure your will is in order. My son is a, as an attorney, um, and if I have a question, I call him, and he's always been very good about helping me. But of course, he says, Dad, you need to realize I'm, I practice law in Missouri. You live in Texas. The laws could be different. There's always that disclaimer, but he's always been very good about helping me. But there's those kind of legal issues to make sure you avoid probate and all that kind of thing. And also, there's the ideas of um, uh, how, do you, how do you ensure that your wishes are uh, honored when you can't make your wishes known? For instance, I don't want to uh, have a feeding tube put in. I don't want to have, um, I don't want to have a, 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 a breathing tube put in. I've told my wife these things, and as we looked at the various options, we decided what was best for us was to give my wife a medical power of attorney to uh, um, make sure that she could make these decisions for us. I know she's going to look out for me in the way that I want. Now, that might not be the answer everybody comes to. That's fine. One answer does not fit all in these types of things, but that's what we came to. But the point is that we looked at these things and we said, okay, we need to make these decisions now so that later on we're prepared. And was having access to an attorney uh, useful in navigating these, these legal arrangements? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you learn things that you didn't know. For instance, if um, I filed a medical power of attorney with my, uh, with my hospital, let's say, and I get um, admitted to the emergency room, all those things go out the window until I'm stabilized, and then they come back and put them back into a force. I didn't know that. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of um, tricky little bits in the law that a, that a, a layman like myself would never know. It's important to have an attorney to, to guide you through these things because the law in this, these situations, at least from my viewpoint, is really a maze. And if you don't have somebody that's going to 
um, read the map for you, you're going to get lost. Uh, Dr. Baker, we appreciate you speaking with us today. How can people get a hold of your book and support your ministry? Well, they can order it directly from the publisher, graceacrespress.com. You can also uh, order it from Amazon or your local bookseller. Um, the ministry that we have that we've set up, uh, I used to go and teach in uh, foreign countries all the time. Uh, you can go to becomingmature.org and uh, um, give a contribution there if you'd like. But uh, my main goal is just to get this book into the hands for as many people as could use it. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mock and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at mockbaker.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Terry Liu, attorney at Mock and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.